This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Episode 43 of the podcast where we give you an inside view of aviation careers, answer your questions, and provide you with tools to move forward in your career. Before we begin our show, I want to say thank you to everyone who has written congratulating me on my recent marriage. I really appreciate it. We uh, had the wedding on the beach, and it was wonderful and a lot of fun. If you've been listening to this podcast, uh, you know we are committed to helping you obtain your career goal through answering your questions and giving you an inside look into aviation careers. Now we are ready to take the next step with supplying you with some tools to help you move towards your career goal. One of the most exciting projects is the Aviation Scholarships Guide. Uh, You can find that by clicking on the Scholarships tab at the top of AviationCareersPodcast.com, and I'll have some links in the show notes. The Aviation Careers uh, Scholarship Guide is, uh, is, excuse me, AviationScholarshipsGuide.com is an exciting project uh, because there's just so many people who can benefit from receiving a scholarship to continue their training and degrees. Furthermore, many people don't realize many scholarships are available even for those who are not in school and who may feel they need uh, some type of financial need to qualify, and you don't. You know, this is really far from reality. Anybody can uh, apply for these scholarships. Scholarships for every different race, religion, etc. There's there's stuff set aside, and, and, you know, when we have this directory put up, you'll be able to see that. You know, if you're interested in the many scholarships, the first 10 are free for anybody to view. And if you register for free access, the next 50 are yours for free. After that, we're going to be uh, uh, putting out more of those, and that will be at a low monthly cost of $5. Plus, we'll have a lot of other training materials out there. So check out the free guide today and and, uh, let me know what you think. You know, another product I'm really excited about uh, that we'll talk more about in this podcast is the Practical Guide to Winter Flying. For those who are planning on becoming professional pilots, or, or maybe some of those people are interested in the technical aspects of winter flying, this course is for you. With me today is actually my friend and producer of the course, Len Costa. Len is going to help me answer some listener mail and describe in more detail the Practical Guide to Winter Flying online course. Hey, Len, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you again. Um, there's, uh, oh, you know, I... I uh, was wondering, do you, uh, where are you today? I forgot to ask you. Where I you am actually, uh, I'm at home back at uh, the temporary headquarters of our uh, our other podcast, Stuck Mike Avcast, out here in the uh, Chicago suburbs, which actually is uh, not not going to be my temporary headquarters for much longer. I'll be uh, making another move, another base change for uh, what what uh, promises to be actually a, a pretty good increase in quality of life and work schedule. So, uh, yeah, I'm at home today. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll look forward to hearing more about that. And, uh, hey, you know what? What? Uh, any exciting news as far as on the flying front? Have you had any cool trips lately? You know, we uh, there's a... There's so much to talk about. In fact, I learned some new things recently. I learned uh, I learned just a few days ago all about a GLS approach, which I'm not even sure if you do those in the Airbus, but we certainly do not do them in the Embraer. But I saw one of these advertised at an airport that we fly to, and I had no idea what a GLS approach was, and started doing some research. And uh, so I've learned learned some new things there. Actually, was in Mexico recently flying and got a a um, 
a, a nice lesson on the difference between transition altitude and transition flight level. Uh-huh. So uh, funny, after all these years, Carl, you know, I've been flying for 17 years and every day I go out, I learn something new. That's um, cool. That's well. That's what's exciting about it. Yeah, exactly. And and there was you know another another day. Uh, so if you if if you've been flying in out of Newark lately, uh, they've been doing some construction on one of the runways, and so they have one runway closed, and they're circling to land on the short runway, which you recall when you used to fly in and out of there frequently. Well, you know it's gusting over thirty knots, and it's a direct crosswind to this runway that we're doing a circle to land on, and that was uh, that was uh, one of those days where you get down on the ground and. You know, you're all calm. Uh, you, you actually, you have to, you know, take a few minutes to collect yourself because you know you're working really hard in those conditions. You're on a short runway. You have nothing to back you up. No, no instrument approach. You just completely visual, completely, um, you know, all eyeballs and mental math. And you got this strong crosswind, and you get down on the ground. And I, <laughs> my FO was like, "Man, that was great. That was a lot of fun." He's like, "We made some extra money on that flight." And I was like, "Yeah, we made some extra money, and I lost an hour of my." life <laughs> just from the stress <laughs> so you know there's there's wild times out there so it's it's winter time you know so you start to encounter those really strong difficult winds and turbulence and all kinds of good things yeah well the good thing about that is that it uh, it keeps you sharp too and it's uh that's one it of the exciting does. things about the job that's for sure yeah but uh, awesome, you know. I've I've been staying away from the, from the north and uh, been flying around the Caribbean lately. So I've been uh, actually over the Bahamas quite often, and been looking at the the cool, calm winds and and the you know all the different turquoise waters uh, flying over the island. So mine's been a little bit more subdued as far. As <laughs> yeah, sounds like <laughs> sounds <laughs> like a, a, the spoiled life. Yes, it is. Yeah, it, but anyway. it is. <laughs> but uh, hey, you know, I I just mentioned the uh, practical guide to winter flying. A quick, if somebody's listening and, and wants to look that up. Online and uh, how can they take a quick peek at it while we're? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've uh, we've made it real simple. If you just go to uh, any web browser on any device, the website is Practical Guide to winterflying.com and it'll take you right to all the information about the course what's being offered in fact i know uh you as well as i carl are really proud of what we've put together uh it's it's uh you know it's a it's a great multimedia presentation we've provided a video and audio the show or the uh the the slideshow presentation with our training notes we even went and had it transcribed so no matter you know what what makes me happy about the way we've set it up is that it's it's available for all learning types, whether you're visual or auditory, or if you want to read. I mean, we've there's there's really you know all, we've covered all the bases, and I, I'm really proud of what we've put together. Cool, so am I. I think it's really cool. As a matter of fact, uh, I've been able to include it in the FAA safety program, and uh, as a matter of fact, we're recording this right now. I'm going to give the presentation, the practical guide to winter flying, uh, at the next next safety meeting at uh, National Aviation Academy in Clearwater, Florida. That's tonight, so we're including that within the FAA safety program, which is a, sa- a free program. So you can actually get to see it for free uh, if you want at uh, some of the local. Well, whenever I'm talking, you know, at some of the local events, uh, and I'll be doing that probably about once or twice a year. So you know, I invite you to come out and check check it out if you get a chance. 
chance, especially if you're in the Tampa Bay area. And you never know where I'll be. Sometimes I show up in uh, many different places and, and do a safety seminar. So uh, look for that online. Well, thanks for introducing that to us. And uh, well, we, one of the things that we're doing today is we're going to do some question and answers. I just came back from getting married and, uh, and Len was kind of, it was instrumental in helping me put that <laughs> online using Ustream. I was at the last minute said, oh my gosh, I got to get this online. And it was, it was pretty cool. We set that up at the last minute and, uh, my, my folk couldn't make it. I, I should say they, um, they, you know, were able to see it. So that was, that was rather wonderful. Uh, as a matter of fact, the cool thing is, uh, my, my wife now is, is actually going to help me out, uh, quite a bit with the scholarship. She doesn't actually fly herself. She's flown in the back of many airplanes and, uh, she was with VXE6 in the Navy. And that's an, an expeditionary unit that went down to, uh, Antarctica. And uh, they flew the C-130s and the uh, C-17s. Uh, on uh, on skis, they flew the C-130s down into Antarctica. So you never know. Maybe sometime we'll, we'll have somebody on talking about uh, the flying the C-130s on skis. Pretty neat stuff. Well, then let's get started answering some of the questions. We've got quite a few. I'm probably not going to get through all of them, and I really appreciate your patience. It's been uh, been wonderful getting uh, most of these questions. Again, if you have a question, just go to aviationcareerspodcast.com and uh, Click on the contact uh, key. You can actually send a direct email or use the form. It's uh, really easy to get in touch with me. And uh, by the way, when you do send in your information, I am uh, before I read them on on the air, I'll de-identify you and also the information about your employer. We try not to get you in trouble. We don't want most people knowing who you are and what you're doing out there. But the information is very valuable for folks. So let's get started with the first one. You ready there, Len? Absolutely. Let's get to it. <laughs> All right. Our first uh, question comes from Ryan. He says, uh, we spoke in the past about jobs and I may be able to pursue while working on obtaining my additional aviation ratings. I have my private working on my instrument, hoping to go on to commercial, multi-engine, tail grad, dragger, and full plane. Boy, he's busy. I currently have a full-time job that has enabled me to earn money to spend on my flight training, but I really like to have a job working with and or around aircraft. Of course, working on the flight line at one of the local airports is always an option when they have an opening, but I would be extremely grateful if you could provide any other ideas. I called a local flight school, and they said they are always accepting applications, but will just have to call me when they have a position available. As far as working for a company other than an FBO, FBO means, uh, for those that don't know, fixed base operator. They're the ones that actually usually manage the airport and also sell the fuel. And uh, sometimes there's multiple FBOs on the field that are selling selling fuel and actually rent airplanes, give lessons. Uh, again, he says, as far as working for a company other than the FBO located on the airfield, how do I find out what businesses there are and how to contact them or get hired by them? For instance, are there businesses that operate out of say, Tampa International Airport, that are not part of the airport itself? I know an airport near me has companies that are on the field, but do I just contact the FBO to find out who is there? Lastly, once I have at least my commercial licenses, how do I find companies or people that would be looking to hire? How would I find someone who needs their crops dusted? <laughs> how do I find aerial photography businesses? Is it all by word of mouth and working, or do I have to make lots of phone calls and internet searches? Thank you for your time, both on the phone and email. Sorry that I tend to have run-on sentences. That's that's fine. I just I love the questions. They're terrific. Uh, as far as what you talked about, Ryan, with other jobs besides the FBO, there's they are out there. There's lots of jobs on the field. I know uh, folks that um, just recently I was discussing with somebody how he has a business 
And this turned out to be a pretty good business. He started cleaning airplanes and uh, detailing people's airplanes. And once you gain the trust of some of the local people, a business like that's pretty good. He actually was making quite a bit of money. And uh, <laughs> the only problem is he decided not to go to the airlines because he was making, uh, making a pretty good living doing that, plus some other things that he was selling. Uh, so there, there are companies out there as far as trying to find them. My theory is this, and I've always said this, is that if you want to find a job at an airport, go to an airport and hang out. For instance, when you start flight instructing, the best thing to do is just hang out at the FBO and wait for people to walk in the door. Uh, when you're sitting at home watching TV, that's that's not going to help you and waiting for the phone call from the local FBO because I tell you, the person that's there is the person they're going to want to talk to. And get to know people. Really network. Get to know as many people as you can. Get involved in all the different local organizations and, and talk to people, local EAA chapters, volunteer at some events that they have at the airport. Just get, just hang out there and get to know different people. And, and that really does help. Cause I tell you what, at, at some point you're going to have to be turning down a lot of these, a lot of these different jobs. And, uh, as far as again, flying, finding those other flying jobs like crop dusting, you said you might want to do aerial photography businesses. It's really, it is, it's word of mouth. I did my first aerial photography job, and the guy liked me, and then he wanted to use me again, told his friends, and boom, boom, boom. I, I started doing quite a few uh, uh, aerial photography missions. I didn't do a, the actual photographs myself. I flew the folks uh, that were taking the photographs. Now, Len, uh, I know you've you've uh, actually had a little bit of experience networking around your local airport. Uh, what would you s- suggest to uh, to Ryan? Well, you know, one of the things that uh, I tend to do when I move to a new area is if I don't know anybody at the airport, there's there's some cool resources online on the internet that I use. Um, one of them specifically was a very well-known, uh, or very, I should say, big brand, if you will, is the website called meetup.com. And I usually go in there and I just search for the aviation groups in the, you know, in whatever area that I'm either visiting or that I'm living in. And you can find, you know, groups in there of like-minded people for uh, various types of aviation activities. And that's one way that I kind of start to get myself immersed uh, in, a, in a local aviation scene. Uh, you know, the other being very much like you suggested, going to the FBO, poking around, seeing what kind of, uh, you know, really specifically at the FBO or other other businesses on the field go poke around and see what's on their um on their bulletin boards you know a lot of times people post all kinds of things on there it's not just aircraft for sale or aircraft wanted you know there there's there's always a bunch of different opportunities uh on the local airport bulletin board so those are those are uh you know usually my first and go to type of things and then you know I'll just kind of wander around and poke my head in a hanger and say hey how you doing you know and just introduce myself and and those kinds of methods but it's definitely uh, it's definitely as you said kind of a a feed on the ground type of project you need to show up and uh, and put in the literally put in the legwork you know and and go and say hello and check things out you know, Len, as you were talking, I never have a problem finding people because I'm involved in just about every organization in the area. And uh, as you were saying that, I was like, gosh, meet up. And there's a lot of other organizations you can find. Absolutely. On right. Um, like in, in Central Florida, which is is where this person's from, there's the Central Florida Pilots Association. I think they're – actually, they meet over at the the, uh, the museum, the Florida Air Museum, right there at uh, Sun and Fun on the campus there. So that's a really cool place to hang out. There's a good example there. You can you just just join that organization, hang out with them. And uh, pilots know pilots who uh, work, you know, for as pilots. So you, it's not a bad idea to to get involved with those organizations. So I'll, I'll put the, those links out there. 
Yeah, and, you know, and even some of the events, uh, you know, such as the ones that you do host through the FAA, those are good places to uh, to network and meet folks. The FAA Wings program, the the uh, safety programs that are put on. There's also the um, the IMC Club in your local area. That's a good way to uh, to get together and not only learn, you know, as uh, from other people's experiences flying, but also meeting new people. And you know, it's really neat going to the IMC club, I wasn't really sure what kind of diversity there would be. I was like, you know, am I going to be the only airline pilot? Am I going to be the least experienced, the most experienced? And it was really interesting. There was, you know, there was, there were pleasure flyers, there were professional flyers. We had a guy who flew uh, caravans and cargo and I flew passenger service and we had charter guys. And then we had just, you know, the, the typical uh, aircraft owner, renter, pleasure flyers. So there's a lot of really cool, um, you know, programs, like you said, or ways besides, just finding groups and whatnot. If you actually go to some of these meetings and these uh, gatherings and these uh, seminars and presentations in your local area, it's a great way to meet people. You know, Len, as you were saying that, I, I realized there's also the Tampa Bay Aviation Association, local EAA chapters. I'm just talking in this local area here. And, and, and you know, there's a lot of, every city has those. Uh, most cities, most bigger cities have those. And uh, the EAA chapters especially, there's some really passionate people uh, involved in aviation. I'll give you an example. Last night, I did a presentation, a safety presentation at an EAA chapter in Clearwater, Florida, at Clearwater Air Park. And um, one of the folks there actually was a Czech airman with Southwest Airlines. And here's a person that has a ton of resources for, for finding jobs. And, and say you're looking to get a job with Southwest, maybe. You know, you never know who you're going to meet at these these different organizations. So just get involved. And uh, it's tough sometimes, even if you're shy. You know, I, I used to be the shyest guy in the room. Uh, but, uh, you know, I obviously outgrew that. <laughs> <laughs> I really hadn't noticed. <laughs> no, I don't know a stranger and I can't stop talking is now what they tell me, but, um, stop, Len, don't, don't say anything. <laughs> I won't say anymore. But, you know, there, there really are, there's organizations where they'll, they'll, you'll come out of your shell because you'll finally realize that these people are really friendly and they want to help you out. So I really, I, I think networking, networking, networking is really key. And I, I think that's really important and in your case. I, I, I think you have a lot of resources and just don't realize it. Just keep looking around. You know, and if I could add one last thing, Carl, the other the other kind of, you know, thing that I do is if, uh, as you mentioned, sometimes these there's a lot more in, say, for instance, a larger city or a larger metropolitan area. You may be in an area where there aren't any of these groups or aren't any of these associations. You know, my always, my first thing is when it doesn't exist, heck, if I have to, I'll start it myself, you know, and then you can... You can start a, a group or you could do like you're doing, Carl, when you're when, you know, get certified to do these seminars and actually instead of being an active participant, be creating and adding value to your local community because I guarantee you're probably not the only person in that area looking to participate. So, well, if it's a smaller, more remote area and you have to start your own group or club or organization, I think that's, uh, you know, that's definitely another that's a really good option, as a matter of fact. 
Well, that's a great idea, Lynn. Uh, well, gosh, you know, Ryan, again, thanks for the question. And as you can tell, there's there's so many options. And I'm sure there's people listening right now that are saying, hey, wait, I got an idea. You got the idea? Send it in. We love more suggestions. Um, but again, thanks, Ryan, for that question. Moving on to the next question. Uh, let's see. It's uh, from somebody who he says, I am currently had 13 years in the U.S. Air Force as an aircraft mechanic. I don't have an AMP license uh, or AMT, Aircraft Maintenance Technician license, but that is the goal. By the way, if you're in the military, you don't need that license because uh, they give you the training to work on the on the airplanes. But once you become a civilian, you actually have to get your licenses uh, to be a mechanic in the civilian world. And there are some great programs where they do the transitions. I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. Uh, he continues, at 20 years of service, I'll be able to retire from the military. Well, that is quite a few years away. I want to start learning what jobs are available. What are the prospects of getting hired as a mechanic? What is available if I were to get a pilot's license? The benefit of your experience and perspective would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for your time. Well, first, let me address the mechanical uh, jobs that are out there. One of the, uh, the people that actually sponsor the safety program here in the Clearwater area, the National Aviation Academy, has a great website, and uh, that's naa.edu, and I'll have that, that link on on uh, aviationcareerspodcast.com. They actually have a really wonderful resource as far as the jobs in the future, that type of thing, but it's growing. Uh, first of all, the population's growing. Aircraft, the numbers of aircraft are growing. Uh, don't just look at the Boeing study. I know that everybody quotes that one. Look at all the other aircraft manufacturer studies. Uh, you can find them out there on the internet. Uh, Airbus has a wonderful study as far as the actual number of aircraft that are going to be worldwide in, in the next 20 years. And of course, they're very, it's really important for them to do forecasting that far out. And there's going to be a lot of jobs. I mean, there, uh, same thing with flying jobs. There's going to be a ton of jobs out there because of the fact that we have so many people retiring. Remember with, uh, Airplane jobs, as far as, especially with, uh, uh, flying jobs, it's very cyclic and there's times when we have a glut and there's times when we have a shortage. Right now we're moving into a period of, of shortages on, on the number of qualified pilots. Eventually when we have another recession, that'll go away and then we'll have another glut of pilots. So it's just going to go up and down. The most important thing is to, to get in there and, and get all your ratings as quickly as you can. First of all, thanks for your service. I forgot to mention that. And also, look towards the GI Bill. Look at different things when you retire to get your ratings. I, um, uh, as you know, there's another uh, person that's been uh, associated with this podcast. He does a lot of my uh, um, military aviation uh, background and, uh, and research. He, uh, he said that you know he took money from his GI Bill and got his 737 type rating and now he's getting paid. They're paying him to do his Airbus A320 rating, two of the most popular airplanes in the world, and that'll really open up open up the world to you as far as as what you can do afterwards. But these schools like National Aviation Academy, there's other ones out there too. They actually do transition courses, and they they take you right in. They actually can get you financial aid or use your GI Bill, and you can get through rather quickly. And uh, and I think that that's a wonderful route to go. Len, anything to add to that? Well, you know, um, to be absolutely honest, I haven't, I'm not very familiar with a lot, with a lot of the, uh, a lot of the military stuff in some of these programs. And I'm actually learning through you about, about what is available. Uh, I have, you know, all of my stuff has been with civilian flight schools and civilian students. And, uh, it's just not something that I've, I've come across yet. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I, I spent, 
you know, over a decade helping uh, folks on military leave uh, with uh, the last airline I worked for. And one of the one of the interesting things about keeping your job in the military, I know some people are probably listening to this saying, hey, maybe I'll just keep my job and, and then, uh, you know, do reserves and that type of thing. The, the one thing you have to look at is just make sure that you have all your ducks in a row because certain airlines do a better job when dealing with military leaves of absences because there are some that, uh, you know, they just don't know. Uh, the human resource departments sometimes hire outside the airline industry, which those people outside the airline industry don't have much experience with people going on military leave. Those airlines that have a lot of military pilots, they, they usually do a better job just because they have the experience. So that's something to, to look into there, especially if you think you're going to uh, not retire and uh, jump in. Sounds like he's going to retire, though, and then move forward from there. By the way, that is a wonderful thing. I have a bunch of friends who've retired from the military and went on to work for the airlines, either mechanics or pilots. And, you know, hey, no worries. You've got your pension coming in. And uh, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, you, you just, uh, <laughs> you know, you don't have to worry if you get uh, get furloughed, laid off, you're getting that pension payment. So that's, that's, a, that's a cool thing, that retirement payment. Anyway, let's uh, let's see. Moving on to again. Thanks for that question. Any other military questions? Please ask them. And and like I said, I have a military expert that helps me out uh, with this quite often. All right. On the next one, we have um, a person writes in and says, "I just finished listening to episode forty-two, and I have a tip for those looking into corporate aviation." He says, "Find a major local event that brings in corporate traffic. This could be a convention or a sporting event." Then try to get some part-time or volunteer work at the FBO. You'll meet pilots of all types of backgrounds. I'm in the Air Force and was able to get permission from my commander to take a week of leave and work at the Augusta Regional Airport during the Masters Golf Tournament. That sounds pretty cool. I got to speak with hundreds of pilots, all the way from dozens of NetJet pilots to those flying for celebrities and major corporations, as well as those flying smaller aircraft some for someone that had connections to get tickets. I've been in the Air Force doing satellite communications for almost 22 years and just got my pilot's license last year. I'm almost at the 100-hour mark. I'm not sure what the future holds for me, but I'm pressing on building time and looking forward to the instrument, commercial, and CFI as a backup after I retire from the Air Force. Or maybe after my second career and I'm looking for something to keep me flying and pass on my passion for flying. I think that is a great idea. Uh, I, I love hearing from folks that are retiring from the military or retiring from anything, really, that uh, and, and they have a passion for flying. And one of the things they want to do is they want to start teaching. Uh, there, there's a couple things, and hopefully I won't make anybody angry by saying this, is number one, if you're teaching and you've just retired from another job, you're probably not going anywhere. You're, you're probably going to stay as a flight instructor. And you may be more attractive than somebody who's just building time to move on to the regional airlines. So that actually is going to be a big selling point for you. Not saying that those folks that are building time aren't doing a good job, but that is, that's, that's a consideration because as the airlines start ramping up their hiring, we're seeing, we had those complaints years ago where People would go through 10 flight instructors because all their flight instructors were getting hired by the regionals. I do like your, uh, I do like your tip. That's a great tip to find a, a local event and talk to people. That's, uh, that's, that's almost even better than, than working full time because you get this real intense concentration of, uh, of networking involved there. I think, I think that's really cool. Len, have you ever done something like that? You know, I haven't, but I was thinking about it when you were reading it and describing it. It's kind of like, 
you know, when you take something and it, this this gentleman or, or lady who's uh, wrote about this opportunity, it's like hacking the system, you know? It's like just thinking outside of the box and finding your way into a good situation where you can expose yourself with, uh, you know, the pilots and the people that you that you want to. And I, you know, personally never would have even considered doing something like that. And I really like the, uh, you know, the outside box mentality that this this uh, listener of yours is coming from. It's really uh, it's really a great idea. I, you know, I tell you, he deserves a prize for that. I don't have anything to give away. You know what? I, I should start making pins or or stickers and and start sending them to people. Like, there you that, go. That send in some some great questions and 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 some great uh, suggestions like that. So that was terrific. Thanks so much for that. Uh, I appreciate it. So yeah, local event, jump in and do it. You know, that's that's a neat way to to meet people. As a matter of fact, uh, tying into that, by the way, uh, I did do some volunteer work at an event, and it wound up into a sponsorship for me. Uh, later on, just so happened somebody was there that uh, became a a good sponsor of of mine for uh, for the podcast, and and I probably never would have met that person if I didn't go and do that. Well, the next question we have is actually uh, it's uh, but I was away on on uh, my getting married and a honeymoon and all, so uh, this is a question on Eric Crump, who's been on the podcast before he answered it. So I'm going to read the question and also uh, read the answer from Eric. Uh, the question is, hi, Carl. I'm a new listener to Aviation Careers Podcast and thoroughly enjoy the content. I love all the listener questions and your take on their issues. I'm 29 and recently was laid off from my consulting job in the financial services sector. After a trip to Costa Rica, Panama, and Colombia, I decided that I was going to follow my passion and try to begin a career in aviation. I also decided I want to begin flight lessons and get my private pilot's license. I'm only three hours into my training, but I'm loving every minute of it. I have a, a lot of free time now, so I'm hoping to fly two or three times per week. I sold my old car and was able to get $5,000 from that and put it towards lessons. I'm not sure yet where the rest of my money will come from, but I'm, I will find it somehow. Boy, that's, that's so cool. God, it sounds like me. I mean, I was hooked right from the first couple hours. He continues, my real concern is parlaying my skills into an aviation career. I want my private pilot license to be a bonus on top of my experience, but until I get my private pilot license, I really have no aviation experience on my resume. Also, I went to school for hotel management and not aviation, which sometimes throws employers off. I started an aviation blog in which I provide content on aviation issues, mostly on commercial and charter industry, so I could show employers my passion towards aviation, but also my analytical abilities. I've applied to airports, charter brokers, online travel dealers, and airlines, mainly in business analyst roles, but also in ground operations, but with no luck. I guess my overall question is, how would you go about breaking into aviation with no previous experience? Would you take a role that is more hands-on and then begin a, a desk to get uh, uh, to feel the industry, or, or hands-on and behind a desk, uh, in other words, like at an FBO to get the feel for the industry. My ideal job would be to manage a small airline or airport. I love going to airfields and seeing all the planes, hearing the engines, and talking with pilots. I really feel that being involved in aviation in some capacity will make for an exciting and fulfilling career. Thanks for reading my long-winded email. Best regards, Seth. And by the way, if you have a long email, we really appreciate them because I love hearing the stories and getting some granularity into uh, into your situation because there's some people that are going to resonate with that. So I really appreciate that. Uh, 
Uh, I'm going to read Eric's uh, answer, Eric Crump's answer, and uh, he again is uh, the director of aviation with Polk State College here in in uh, beautiful, sunny, and central Florida. And he is uh, he's going to be back on the podcast, I think, uh, next couple episodes from now, and he'll also be uh, doing some question and answers after we have a few uh, other guests on the show. Uh, anyway, Eric says, Hello, Seth. Thank you for your outstanding question. I'm excited to hear about your intention to pursue a career in aviation. Breaking into the aviation industry from a career perspective can be a bit daunting. There are a lot of options, but many do require experience, prior experience in aviation. It seems that you are on the right track, though, using your education and prior work experience to transition to a similar position within aviation. I wouldn't say that there's an ideal role to get your feet wet, though. I've pumped gas, stapled paper, and flown for Elton John's next-door neighbor. I definitely recommend that you find a position where you can leverage your prior knowledge and experience. By doing this, you're more likely to have an easy time transitioning into the new job while also making a name for yourself. Keep up the hard work and don't get discouraged. Use that excitement you feel when you get in the airplane for each lesson to push you to continue the job search. You'll find the right fit for yourself. It's obvious that you have a passion and you need to succeed. Just be patient and wait for the right fit. And be sure to tap your flight training provider for job ideas as he, she, they are already connected to the system in your local area. Have a great day and safe flying. And that was from uh, Eric Crump. Great, great uh, advice, Eric. And I think that <laughs> I'd have to agree. I mean, I think he's, he's already somewhat tied in and uh, don't get discouraged. Uh, because you'll keep knocking on doors, knocking on doors. You know what I did uh, to get into the industry? When I was actually, uh, when I got out of college, I was a computer programmer. And uh, to get myself available and into the industry, I wound up working for the local flight school at the front desk and greeting people and signing them up for the classes and all. This is when I only had my private pilot certificate. And that wound up leading to a job as a flight instructor. So that's uh, that's one way to get get in the door and and uh, you know show your passion for a job. But uh, you know later on, I looked at some jobs that were in aviation. I actually hadn't been flying yet, but other jobs in the aviation field. And having that on my resume actually did help because some of the companies I worked for did uh, do uh, some aviation work. People like people like Honeywell, that type of thing. Len, do you have anything to add to to what he had to say there? You know, kind of touching on what you said about, uh, you know, calling around and, and, and being persistent. It just, you know, kind of general fun life advice that I've, uh, I've, um, gleaned over these few years is it's kind of like if you, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Well, my sort of rendition of this is if you don't like the answer you got, try again or ask again or, you know, try the next person. Because for as many no's there are out there, there is an equal amount of yeses. So, you know, just don't get discouraged when there's a no. It's uh, it's not generally a personal, you know, issue against you or, or anything. There's all kinds of various reasons why you might get an, a no answer from, uh, from a job search or an opportunity. But like I said, if, <clears throat> excuse me, if you get a no, Hang up the phone, walk away, call the next person, call and talk to somebody else and just be persistent and don't let it get you down. That's the biggest thing. Once you start to get, uh, you know, maybe depressed or bothered by the, uh, the, the no's and the, and, and, and the opportunities aren't coming the way you want to, just like Eric said, be patient and, and be confident. You know, you will get what you want. You just have to be patient and persistent. 
You know, I, I like that idea, Alain. You know, when I got out of college, I, I applied to all these different computer companies, et cetera, and I had over a hundred rejections and a hundred rejection letters. And what I did with those rejection letters, and I, I just pasted them up on my door. And uh, I said, one of these, I'll just keep filling them in, filling them in. And, and one time I'm going to wind up getting the job I want. And sure enough, it came from an avenue I had no idea uh, what it would come from. And it was somebody who was local, close to me. Here I'm applying for jobs all over the country, and it was right in my back door. So just keep keep looking. You never know what door you open and what rock you look under where you'll find something. You know, that kind of reminds me of the story of Thomas Edison and inventing the light bulb. He always said, I now know 10,000 ways not to invent the light bulb, you know, so... There is there is something to be said about persistence and 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 always continuing on even when uh, you haven't got your results yet. Persistence and perseverance. I think that's the the most important thing. You just keep moving forward. That, that's great advice, Len. Let's do, move on to our next question from Morty. And uh, Morty asks if he can still be a pilot. He says, uh, Carl, I've been listening to your podcast for a long time and I appreciate everything that you do for pilots and those that want to pursue a career as a pilot. I also heard you recently on the Airplane Geeks podcast. You were great. By the way, Airplane Geeks podcast is a wonderful podcast. More about uh, aviation as far as the commercial aviation field. And so if you're interested in that, it's a wonderful place to go to learn about uh, news stories. And you always learn something about about the uh, commercial aviation field. They don't do a lot about uh, careers, but every so often they do. And, and they have some wonderful guests on there. Uh, he continues. I'm 25 years old with a BS in business administration. I'm also the founder and owner of a travel agency. I'm a certified uh, emergency medical technician and work for an EMS in a large city. I've been involved in law enforcement for about two years in a voluntary capacity. I'm also now looking to obtain a master's in homeland security. I love what I do, but I've always wanted to be a pilot and sort of let that slide to the side as I pursued my college degree and work. Wow, sounds like he's pretty busy with all those, that certification. Uh, yesterday I was at the flight from uh, LaGuardia to, to Detroit and was lucky enough to sit next to a regional airline first officer who was commuting home. He was extremely friendly and, as I found almost all piles to be, and answered all my questions. So that's good to hear. I told him how I always wanted to be a pilot and how I still go out with my sister and dad to the Plainview Park right across from the threshold of Runway 4 at LaGuardia. Uh, by the way, Plainview Park, I think I have a, I'll have have a link. I'll try to find a link for that somewhere, but that's a pretty cool place to go check out airplanes. Uh, the airplanes come over your head at about 150 feet, and it has never gotten old. He continues, he told me that if you want to do it, become a pilot, I should go ahead and do it now. He said, it's not too late, and unlike in years before, there will be a lot of opportunity for me. He said, with the new 1,500-hour rule for the regionals and the huge amount of retirements for the majors that are expected to hit shortly... All are all in my favor. He said that does not expect to, excuse me, he said that this pilot he was talking to does not expect to even see the left seat of a CRJ uh, with the hemorrhaging of pilots at the airlines uh, that they're about to go through, actually. He also said uh, to try to save at least $50,000 before uh, it starts. So if I, I do it in loans, <laughs> if, if, if I don't, the loans will be choking. I already have 35000 in student loan debts. Um, Carl, I might be a, a smart young man, but I also have a medical issue that might prevent me from working in aviation. Will that work for aviation as well? Uh, Carl, can I still become a pilot? Should I try to become a pilot 
uh, be honest, I'm very confused. Thanks. Love your show. You sound like a, a very friendly and smart guy. All the best, Morty. Uh, friendly, yes. Not so sure about the smart. Uh, <laughs> the As far as, as the medical issue, uh, I would say the one thing you should do is go talk to an FAA uh, medical examiner and ask him if this would prevent you from getting a first-class medical. Prior to anybody starting a career in aviation, you should obtain your first-class medical or... Uh, talk to a medical examiner first and say, can I get a first-class medical? If he sees there's an issue, he or she sees an issue, then uh, you may want to look uh, further into that And as far as actually getting your medical. Because one thing you don't want to do is be denied a medical. If you can, try not to do that because that'll uh, you always have to put that down uh, in any kind of application. Have you ever been denied a medical? Usually what I like to do is find a senior uh, medical examiner and the way to do that is go to the FA.gov uh, website and look under Aviation Medical Examiners, AME they call them. So uh, you need to look at that there. I don't not, I'm not sure with your medical condition if you can or cannot, but that's the type of person you need to look towards to answer those kind of questions. Uh, as far as what the person that talk, you talked to said, the uh, regional airline pilot, yes. Uh, there are some people that have never seen the left seat of a of an airline, and uh, they have thousands of hours. And uh, even some with less have been getting hired by the by the majors. So, so the person you you talked to was correct. Um, and there there is going to be a, a bit of a hemorrhage at certain places, especially right now. Um, I I try to make this this more evergreen type content, but uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of movement in the airlines right now. Um, and even if there wasn't, um, <clears throat> I just get as much hours as you can and get it done. Concerning the uh, the loans and things like that. Uh, the one thing about loans that I I agree on having a loan is if you're going to get a loan so it can make you move forward in your career, like, for instance, getting an education that's in something that's going to help you, for instance, getting a certificate that's going to enable you to actually work in a certain career field. And this is a good example right here, aviation. If you have to get a loan and and get the rest of your ratings don't don't keep waiting move forward with your career and and that's kind of like what I did I I had the money uh had most of the money kind of like you and then when I ran out of money I just put it on my credit cards and uh and then paid off those credit cards I kept my regular job paid everything off then went on to the the airlines with everything paid off so Len any uh comments on on what I said or maybe some suggestions for Morty No I like the idea of uh you know I like your perspective of what you're saying. If it's a loan, it's going to help you progress and propel yourself forward in a positive direction. That that's a good use for it. I uh, I, I ran into a, a friend of mine recently um, in my travels at work and asked him how he was doing, what was going on, if he planned on leaving the regional airlines and going to the major airlines, and you know, we're just having a normal, candid discussion. And he's explaining to me basically that. In his uh, situation, family financial situation, he was going to have to take a you know roughly a forty thousand dollar loan just to compensate for the pay cut from going as an airline captain at a regional to an airline first officer at a major. Uh, you know, just just to to maintain you know the bills and the mortgage. And I don't want to say you know it's not like I felt bad for him, but I you know I I could understand how that could be a very difficult decision because you're going into debt um, with the hopes that it's a smart decision for the balance of your future. Um, so when, you, you know, when, you, when you're commenting about make sure that it's something that's going to be 
really beneficial to the progression of your career. I think that's, you know, that's a good point. That's a good and excellent, in fact, consideration. Um, and on a more fun note, speaking of Plainview Park, there's an equally more, inter- I shouldn't say more, but an equally interesting place to plain spot. Down outside of Washington Reagan National Airport, the park is called Gravelly Point Park. It's in Arlington, Virginia. Not only do the planes fly overhead, Carl, we were out there one day for, you know, an hour or two taking photos. And I, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that the wingtip vortices and the wake turbulence of the aircraft flying overhead, landing on the runway, were hitting us in the face. And oh, that cool. was just outrageously awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and this is called Gravelly Point Park? Where is it? Gravelly Point Park. That's correct. Gravelly Point Park uh, in Arlington, Virginia. And it's right off the end of uh, one of the runways there at Ro- uh, Washington Reagan National Airport. Super oh, cool. Cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's another thing that uh, is a good idea to do just to keep your passion up is get out there and take a look at airplanes and, and remember why you, why you got into it. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I super dorked out that day, Carl. I was there with my camera and my long lens, and I had live ATC on my, uh, my cell phone with the earbud in my ear so I knew who was coming in and where they were on the approach, and then I'm snapping photos and yeah, I really darked out big time that that's day. That's <laughs> cool. No, that's awesome, man. And and here's guys, we we hang around airplanes all the time. We don't just don't get to see the outside of them a lot, you know, watch them take off and land close up. So that's pretty cool. They call that plane spotting. So and people yes. are into it. I think that's awesome. Um, hey, you know, you brought up a point though, as far as loans. Um, not not to get too personal, but I I recently went from captain seat in a in a regional to a major airline. And yeah, the, the, uh, the income is a dramatic change. Uh, and it's, it can be disconcerting. And I actually found myself having to borrow money and use a credit card and not paid off at the end of the month, uh, because I had some bills I didn't even realize. The, part of it was, like you were saying, Len, it, it's, uh, you know, are you trying to keep up your lifestyle? And uh, what I did is I had to sell it. I got rid of the airplane, the motorboat, the the boat, uh, the motorhome, the boat, all that kind of neat stuff that I could do as a regional airline captain. That uh, had to go back to 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 simple living. But it's you know it's not a big deal. Those are just toys. Uh, going out to dinner, you know, I have to think about those things. So uh, if you're using the money to do those type of things, it's probably not a good idea. It sounds like your friend may have been borrowing this money to keep up with a certain lifestyle. So it's really important if you're going to change jobs to plan for that because you know your lifestyle is going to change dramatically. And uh, I, I tell you, I got no sympathy when I was complaining to my uh, my father-in-law. I was like, yeah, I said, man, this is I used to just go out to eat and not even worry about the bill. Now I got to think about it. He says, Hey, <laughs> it's the life you chose, man. You know, and he's right. He's right. You know, it's, it's the life I chose and, and, you know, just suck it up. The first year is going to be like that. And I think it's every airline, you know, is like that. So, um, but I, I really can't complain. I've been having a lot of fun and, and it's been really cool because then you realize, Hey, what's really important to you? You know, do I need all that? Do I need to have that second latte? You know, that type of thing. Well, you know, and and that's one thing that I respected about your situation. And I'm not sure, you know, how many folks out there really truly know, but you you knew that a a a change was was coming. A change was imminent, and so you did make some financial changes, and you did, 
you know, as much, I suppose, planning as you could paid off some bills, you know, like you said, sold the motor home, sold the boat, sold the share in the airplane, you did to the best of your ability what you could. And I, it, those are, you know, really good takeaways um, for, uh, you know, for the listener to just realize that, uh, like Carl said, those were just toys, you know, if I have to give them up for the greater good, I can always get them back at a later time. And, and I was, you know, I really respected you for recognizing that those things weren't a necessity. And you really, you know, I was impressed by what you were able to accomplish and, and put away for, uh, for this transition period. <laughs> yeah, well, well, don't be too impressed because I did, I did mess up a little. I, I, well, uh, you know, nobody's I, perfect. I, I did, you know, Especially but thanks. You. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> And and the other thing too, the one mistake I made, by the way, uh, and I wouldn't do this again. So learn from my mistake is the uh, make sure you have an emergency fund when you do make a transition. Uh, I decided not to have an emergency fund, and that was the reason I got myself into a little bit of debt. So the good thing is I'm making a lot more now, and I'm paying everything off. It's just that uh, you really need to have that in in your, especially when you change to a much uh, uh, smaller type of uh, of uh, you know income level. But uh, anyway, so appreciate that, Mr. Lin. Anyway, moving right along. Thanks, Morty. And and again, go see that. Uh, go see the doctor and ask them about that. Uh, I think that's that's a, a most the best thing you can do in AME. And uh, moving right along to the next question, we uh, probably have time for one or two more. It's uh, from Scott, and Scott writes in and says uh, it's a comment actually. Have you considered doing a podcast on airline management? I'm currently a uh, Student majoring in aviation business administration would like to hear your input on careers and income potential with this degree. I just found your podcast about two weeks ago, and I'm all caught up except for two episodes. I listen to them at work as I work six 12-hour days a week, plus I take two classes at the university. I'm 42 and have about two years till I get my degree. I'm one of those people that have always wanted a career in aviation and actually attended school back in 1990 for a year but got hooked into a good-paying government job and didn't go back to school until this year. Thanks for a great podcast, and congratulations on your marriage. Thanks again, Scott. I appreciate it. Uh, the airline management uh, sector of it, yes, I have. I actually have a, a CEO of a, a major airline that's going to might uh, talk to us about careers, uh, but I want to try to get some uh, folks that are in the, the management levels. And to, just to give you an idea of uh, what we're talking about, airline management, there's a lot of managers in the airline industry. Uh, you have people that are supervisors on the ramp. You have people that are supervisors at the airport, uh, folks that manage reservations, folks that manage uh, uh, revenue management. There's there's lots of different people in airline management. Uh, you, I will say one thing that I've noticed on airline management type jobs, there's a lot more hands-on. Uh, the structure is such that, hey, if you need to jump in and you need to throw bags, you're going to wind up actually possibly throwing bags if you can physically do it. So so when you do become a manager at an airline, you, you may be asked to do quite a few different things. But, yes, we're definitely going to have, have some people on that are managers. As a matter of fact, I was just talking to someone who's a supervisor uh, over at the uh, Tampa Airport, which is where I'm near, and they absolutely love their job. It's a real challenge, and uh, so we'll definitely have them on. Um, and then, Len, I'm sure you know some folks that do uh, some airplane management or craft and, and management at airlines. Uh, not, you know, not too many, but I have known some folks who have kind of made a transition from line flying 
uh, it, you know, into, uh, into management roles. Some of them uh, were assistant chief pilots and chief pilots. Uh, some of them are, have made their way into some of the safety programs and, uh, and not only with the company, with the union. Um, one recently who made his way from line flying into kind of a management role, helping the company decipher and sort through all of the new FAR Part 117 rest requirement rules. So, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunity even as a line pilot. Um, you know, it's not uncommon for my airline, your airline, Carl, to have internal job postings for opportunities that, uh, especially, for instance, um, you know, a chief pilot opportunity or something where you can actually, you know, just like you would in other uh, other career fields, work your way up through a company. So there's uh, there's always plenty of opportunities uh, within within an airline or within other businesses to, to, to do management stuff. And, you know, you're at, it, it, when you mentioned how many different types of things go on in an airport, I started to kind of take stock in my mind. And you're right, there's so many, you know, it's so much more than just an airline. You know, there's airport facilities, there's ramp personnel, there's, there's um, maintenance and cleaning companies for, for the airport, the airplanes, there's, it's you know airports are a miniature city and it's really quite impressive what goes on behind the scenes there's just you know i can't even count the the number of opportunities of different things that you could do out there especially in uh, in the management world yeah there's quite a few and and just having that uh, business administration will will help you quite a bit most importantly you need to be able to get get along with people cuz you are going to be working with people um but so that's what my problem is. Yeah, I, I was going to say, Len, there is a reason you're, you're not doing management. Gosh. No, no, no. Len, you get along with everybody. <laughs> I, I try. I everybody try. loves Len. <laughs> well, Len, you know, I, I think that's uh, all we have for this episode. We've run a little bit long, but that's okay. Um, I have, uh, we do have another episode coming up. I'm going to have uh, Tom Wachowski talk a little bit about uh, some corporate aviation and some questions they have there. Uh, but one of the things that, you know, Len, I, I brought you on here and I wanted you to talk a little bit more about the, uh, the actual, uh, practical guide to winter flying. Uh, but, um, before we do that, uh, out of all these things as far as aviation careers and, and the talk that we've had so far, is there any other advice you, you might want to give to people before we talk a little bit about the practical guide? Um, you know, I think just the, really just the basic premise of, being confident when you go into a situation, uh, you know, you're not always, you're not always going to walk into the room and, or, you know, make that phone call and get the outcome that you're looking for, but maintain just being confident that when people uh, reject you or say no, that, that, uh, perseverance that we were talking about, that, uh, that ability to just this forge on, through thick and thin, no matter what happens, keeping your eye on the goal and and just going for it, uh, really, I think is my biggest takeaway today. In all honesty, because that really translate far beyond just a career in aviation or anything you want to do. If you if you are that determined, I think those are really important traits and things to be you know things to be aware of, things to focus on, things to practice uh, that will really help you move forward in anything you do in life, not just aviation, but in anything, um, especially when it comes to check rides, you know, uh, just to kind of touch on the, the comment for, for confidence, but you know, a lot of, 
Uh, Carl can attest to this, but a lot of times, uh, you know, folks that are going through check rides, one of the one of the biggest things is just a struggling to portray to an examiner that you have the confidence to to be in command of the aircraft. There's plenty of stories we've heard where, you know, a person knows plenty of the information, they know everything they're supposed to, but can't necessarily portray, say, for instance, that uh, command authority. So there's a lot to be said about confidence and there's a lot to be said about, um, you know, really, really just knowing your situation, uh, excuse me, situation and, uh, and working hard and being determined and, and showing that you know everything, uh, you know, know that what you know for the situation that you're in. I, I think that's a great advice, Lindy. That being, being confident is, is, is truly important. And, you know, a lot of times uh, having experience breeds some confidence. And Absolutely. Uh, boy, I tell you, some of the folks I fly with, I can always tell. The folks that are uh, have a lot of experience are very confident. Uh, they they look they say, "Hey, listen, I want to try doing this," and they're like, "Yeah, go right ahead, whatever," you know. And 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 it really it, it it you're sitting there, and what happens is it makes me calmer and realize, "Hey, this guy really knows what he's doing." And if you can do that while during your check ride, I think that's that's really important. <clears throat> and then again, thanks for being here. We uh, there's a couple things I want to mention though before you go. Yeah, uh, sure. There's two things. Uh, number one. Uh, there's a show that we do for those that listen to this that uh, are interested in general aviation flying uh, and also in just flying and, and, and loving flying just like we do here with as far as aviation careers. There's another podcast that, that you host and I'm a co-host of and that's uh, the Stuck Mike Avcast. And so it's a wonderful podcast about learning to fly and also living to fly and, you know, and all of us loving to fly. And, and there's some really cool things we, we, we get to talk about. And one of my favorite things is, is the ability to talk with people from all different backgrounds. And, you know, listening to Stuck My Gavcast, the people that listen to this podcast about aviation careers, you may find yourself learning about a job you, you never knew about. As a matter of fact, Len, tell us about this, this guest that uh, you recently had on while, while <laughs> yeah. I was on getting married. Yeah, well, you were off getting married. In fact, I, I suggested maybe she was a good guest for uh, for your show, too. But um, uh, Rachel Payne of uh, Fast Aviation Florida, a fantastically vibrant, excited woman uh, who is involved in the aircraft salvage and recovery business, which I've always been kind of fascinated with that sort of field and line of work because it's, you know, it's like treasure hunting for airplane lovers and airplane seekers. You get to go out and find, you know, it, it was really interesting actually, because I think some of her most exciting stories actually came from and involved searching out the most obscure, the most difficult, the most, you know, far reaching, hard to find type of um, part or radio or memorabilia. And it's, you know, it really is like, treasure hunting for for airplane geeks um and it was a really cool uh, really cool interview to just listen to her uh and what what was also interesting for her is besides kind of like the career opportunity or the business opportunity she has uh, a fantastic story about um overcoming a medical condition that uh that has precluded her up until i think there was just this the last six months um, from the time we're recording the show today, uh, she finally was able to, she'd been flying all of her life with her parents or with her father. Um, and finally, after years of working through a medical condition, was able to get a waiver 
and get a medical. And she just got in the last six months her private pilot certificate. So not only does she have a really interesting story about aircraft salvage and recovery and, and stuff like that, but she's um, you know, a, very, uh, a very good role model for somebody who was persistent and persevered through her, uh, you know, we had uh, one of your listeners asking about the medical condition. You know, that's just a really good example of somebody who stuck with it. And, you know, sometimes there's nothing you can do about a medical con- uh, condition that, you know, they're not all created equal. There's just some things I guess the FAA won't let you do. Um, but she was able to jump through all the hoops and and get a waiver and and persevere through that. So just, you know, really cool, really cool, interesting, um, interesting interview. That is, of course, like Carl said, available at uh, stuckmikeavcast.com. That was episode number 59. Episode 59 is okay. So stuckmikeavcast.com. It's a really cool show, and I I, uh, I I love doing the show. It's it's a lot of fun. It enables me to get back to the grassroots of aviation. And uh, and and the one thing that, that uh, I like is it keeps my passion going for, for GA, for general aviation, right. uh, for small airplanes. Now, on the Stuck Mike Avcast, there's something else that uh, we've done recently, or actually, Len, you've put together on the website and uh, we talked about doing this last year, and we finally came out with it. And it's the the practical guide to winter flying, which I think is really cool. And I and I'm about to give a presentation in a few hours, uh, and the same thing that you'll see on there, the practical guide to to winter flying. And I think it's a great course. It's a uh, for use by everybody, somebody who's thinking about getting interested in aviation and and moving on to a career, and also people that are just uh, flying, like here in Florida. Amazingly enough. I couldn't take off one day because it was snowing in Jacksonville, Florida. So it'll, it'll give you a little bit of background. Uh, Len's going to talk a little bit about the practical guide and, and also tell uh, you folks where you can find it and, and how, if you want to uh, see a sample and also how you can purchase it if you'd like to, to purchase that course. So Len, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, you know, Carl and I realized that uh, and and one of the biggest realizations that I had had through my times as a flight instructor. See, I flight instructed in Virginia where it was a warmer climate, but we still had, you know, snow and frost and things that would preclude us from being able to go and do a flight lesson in the morning. And, you know, one day we were using this de-icing fluid, this de-icing agent to uh, to remove the frost off the airplane. And, uh, you know, I had been flying for probably eight or nine years at that point, And that was the first time I had ever used this stuff. And I had no idea what it was, no idea what I was doing and just didn't know anything about it. And it occurred to me later on uh, in life, uh, more specifically, when Carl and I had been talking about finding a way to kind of use our airline experience as a way to you know educate general aviation pilots through our flight instructor credentials this was kind of one of those one of those areas that we we decided was a really good method of sharing what we've learned at the airline level not only about de-icing and de-icing fluid but more specifically about cold weather operations because you know in a, in a general aviation aircraft that's not certified for flight into known icing you you're going to be grounded a little bit more than the average bear you know Carl and I in an airplane with uh heated wings and heated engine inlets and anti-ice systems uh, Unless there's freezing rain or a blizzard, you know, a blizzard so hard that the de-icing fluid can't keep up with uh, keeping the aircraft 
um, clean of contaminants. There's very few situations where you, you can attest to this, Carl. There's very few situations where we didn't go flying and in a cold weather operation. So, you know, it's all our practical real world experience and knowledge that we've, you know, we've, we've taken from, again, our experience as airline pilots and we're using our, our, uh, our uh, passion for instructing and just kind of disseminating this information down to the general aviation pilot in, you know, my, like I said, the practical guide to winter flying. That's exactly what it is. It's, uh, it's useful information. It's a practical guide that anybody can use and learn from. Uh, and it costs, uh, you know, roughly the uh, same cost of one hour of flight instruction, but it's real. But what's really great about that is that you get instant access to the entire entire course, which is training videos. It's an audio, the slideshow presentation, the notes, and the entire course transcription. But you can, you know, unlike say for instance, Carl, when you go and you take a flight lesson or a ground lesson, you hire the flight instructor. You're there for an hour. You get charged for an hour. Well, with a digital product like this that Carl and I are offering. You um, once you purchase it, you download it and you own it, and you can watch it over and over and over again. So, you know, this year you can watch it. Next winter, uh, when the, when it's uh, the cold months are coming in, you can review it. So basically, you know, the idea is you're paying for one hour of flight instruction, but you're getting um, you're getting access to the information uh, for forever. So it's a, it's a really great opportunity. It's uh, something. Uh, something that's new, obviously, that we, both Carl and I, have been working on. It's our first uh, training product. Uh, it's my first training product altogether. I think it's yours as well, Carl, but it's the first one that we've worked on together. And uh, not only has been putting the course together a lot of fun, but actually, you know, learning all kinds of new aviation website design and delivery systems and the nonsense that goes into to actually send it uh you know getting getting the course information into your hands has been a real you know a real fun experience altogether um so yeah it's available at practical guide to winter flying.com uh and like i said uh, all the information is there all the stuff that we talked about um, we've got over, gosh, I think it was like over 30 some odd topics. Um, and, uh, it's just a really, a really great course. It's something, like I said, that I know I'm proud of, and I know Carl is equally proud of. Yeah. And it's, it was a lot of fun putting together. And, and I tell you one thing that you mentioned that's, uh, important to me is that I, I buy a lot of training products and books, videos, that type of thing. I still have some of my videos that I bought back in the eighties. And uh, it was kind of interesting to see. I, I hang on to those videos because I want to understand the progression to, the, say, the new airspace structure and, and stuff like that. It's really good. Say you already have some type of a training material for winter flying or, or weather flying, that type of thing. It's always good to have another perspective. One thing I found is, is in my what I do with aviation, I read tons of different books on the same topic. And that's how you get an expertise in something. You just keep reading and reading. I'll read 10 different books on weather. And, and just in each book, I glean something different from that, that specific topic. 
And not only that, sometimes there's something within that course that finally resonates with me and, and makes me understand a topic that I didn't understand listening to something else or reading something else, that type of thing. So I think it's, I think it's a good idea. You know, people ask, what should I, what should I read? I always tell people, start with the basics, start with the FA guides, but, but there's a lot of stuff out there that's really good. And I think this is, this is a really good product. So, so anyway, that's one way to find it. You can, of course, go to aviationcareerspodcast.com and, and just click on practical guide to winter flying or go to practical guide to winterflying.com and find it there. Uh, we'll also be at some point, once we have our membership site set up, we'll be able to uh, actually give you a, a free video uh, from from Aviation Careers Podcast. It'll just be the video, not the whole course, but, but at least you get to see right, that. Right, yeah. And Carl, one thing I did want to mention, something that, I, uh, something that we're doing that I haven't seen uh, too much in our industry before, but our our promise to you if you buy this course is uh, we are offering what I call the ridiculously generous 12-month money-back happiness guarantee because we stand behind our products. And if you truly do not learn a single new piece of information or you just aren't satisfied with the Practical Guide to Winter Flying, Within the next 12 months, we'll refund your money, no questions asked, if, uh, if that's what you want. So there's, there's really no reason not to check it out. Uh, we're taking all the risk for you, and uh, you know, we, we want you to enjoy this, and uh, we understand that uh, you know, sometimes things aren't for everyone, so please check it out. Cool. Well, thanks, Lem. Thanks for for giving us that intro to the to the product. And of course, uh, you know, we continue to come out with new products and training training guides. And you know, I'd love to to hear some people's feedback about it. And uh, it, it's really it, it's interesting though, where you know, I don't want this to turn into like a commercial, but it's interesting how once you get involved, uh, just you know, as far as aviation careers, uh, you start wanting to do more. Uh, you want to put together more things. Like I put together this website and this podcast, and then you put together stuck mic and then there's training materials you find out that if you're really passionate about uh, the career in aviation you start doing many more things and and that's what we've done i mean that's uh, because we're we're so passionate about this about aviation we decide hey let's put a training course together and let's have some fun doing it and and i really enjoyed it it was a blast but uh, I, I every day i'm like what can we do next carl i want to do more let's do this again it's been i fun. gotta <laughs> sleep sometime Len, geez. <laughs> i want to make another one <laughs> But hey, I tell you that it's uh, I, Len. I appreciate your your coming on and, and helping us out with some of these questions, and we'll definitely have Len on again. Um, you know, Len, where where can they find you if somebody does have a question? Other than uh, if they ask a question here, I'll forward it to you. Where else can they find you? Yeah, um, I, you know, I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter. My uh, my information there is at Len Costa L E N C O S T A. Otherwise. Uh, we could, you know, they could uh, get in touch with me through stuckmikeavcast.com website, the area, the contact section there. Uh, you could submit an email, you could uh, call us, you could write us a letter, whatever. There's plenty of contact methods there, but uh, either through Twitter or through the Stuck Mike Avcast would, uh, will come right to me and uh, be happy to answer any questions or comment on anything that uh, folks, folks are curious about. Well, thanks again, Len. And uh, if you again check out stuckmikeavcast.com, I'm actually going on and just a, a quick plug for this free program that the FAA has. FAAsafety.gov has a lot of free courses on avi- and aviation safety related courses. And it's a program that I volunteer for as a safety representative. And the safety representatives go around, give lectures like I'm about to do tonight. And you can also take online courses. And after you take these courses, if you're a pilot, that'll actually, and, and excuse me, mechanics too, 
that can apply to your flight review. It can apply towards your recurrent training. So it's a wonderful thing to get involved with. And uh, I think I think the it's called the FA Wings program because every time you finish a level of wings, there's three different types of wings: the basic, and uh, then you go up to the advanced. And it's really uh, it's a great program in that you you get some feedback and you get some immediate learning. But it's also something that you can show somebody. You can say, "Hey, listen, I did this, this, and this." And it and if you're looking towards a job in aviation, I think it's it's also good to have that on your resume that you're you're actually participate in the FA Safety Program. And that you are at level so and so on the wings, say you're at level ten, et cetera. And again, it, it it counts towards your flight review. So it's a wonderful program to be involved with. But hey, you know, we we've talked a while about aviation careers and we've talked about the practical guide to winter flying, but and and just that we're all passionate about this. So I, but there's one thing I want to bring up. You know, I, I love my job. I've been fortunate, you know, things have been going great in my life. Uh I've got a, a, a new job flying an airplane that I like to fly now. I really enjoy it and uh, there's also some other things that I'm involved with, with this new, uh, training product and the fact that, that you folks listening have, have really helped me and inspired me to do more. And the, uh, the, actually the scholarship guide is one of the things that's, that's really propelling me forward. And I've actually, uh, hired somebody to help me put together and administer that. But you know, in aviation, just like any other job, you know, I love my job, but you know, there's times when things aren't going great. I mean, there's, you know, even though we love our jobs and, and we go there and, and it's my hobby it turned into a, a, a it, you know, my, my way to make money, my, you know, it's, it's terrific, but there's days when, you know, it doesn't all go, it's not all roses. And those are the days when you have to look back and say to yourself, Hey, listen, you know, why did I get into this? And, and what are those cool things I like to do? And, and, and you know what you find out there's, when you start looking back at all those those wonderful thoughts about your past and what you did in aviation, those are the things that that you live with and you, it resonates with you for the rest of your life. And one thing that and the point I want to make is this: a lot of people right now, because the airlines are are starting to hire and things are moving rather quickly, they want to move as quick as they can through all these different stages. Well, well, one of the things you need to do right now is slow down and enjoy the journey. Enjoy what you're doing because I still to this day remember all my flight students. And I still look back and I say, hey, you know, that was a cool lesson. That was a really neat student that I had. I'm most proud of the fact that I, I was able to train all these people to fly. And, and I still think back to those days because there's times when I'm taxiing at an airport and I look out the window and I see a 172 go by. And I say to myself, you know what? I remember doing that. And and gosh, there's days I, I wish I could go back to that and wish I could do that. Well, you know what? Because I was able to get into an aviation career and and, uh, and make some decent money, I'm actually able to do that and, and still able to, to uh, have my, my hobby of flying and go out there and actually make money at it too, you know, flight instruct, et cetera. So really the takeaway is enjoy the journey. And and don't don't get too wrapped up into I got to get this all done because this is where I want to go and and then all of a sudden you're going to get there and say oh my gosh what did I do where did I come from and and you didn't enjoy that journey enjoy the journey enjoy that and and always keep that goal in mind move towards that goal and and hopefully that this podcast has helped you in in moving towards that goal so if you have any questions you have any comments please send them to me at aviationcareerspodcast.com our contacts tab. You know, I, I know that you can reach your aviation career goal. I know you can reach your goal no matter what it is in life. Uh, you just have to persevere, persist, just like Len said. Well, folks, it was terrific talking to you today, and, and I hope you'll tune in next time where we answer some more questions that have been written in. 
But in the meantime, enjoy the journey and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.